Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. I'm delighted to welcome back here to the Reader House Author Roundtable, author Chaplain Rick Petsky. Chaplain Rick, thank you so much for returning, talking with me again. Well, that's great. Things have been going pretty good, and I've been talking to a lot of people on my own. You know, I've been selling the paperbacks for about a year now, and I sold close to 400 minutes myself. Once I tell people a couple of my stories, they say, where do you get this book? And I said, I just happen to have a copy in my truck. <laughs> wow, that sounds great. Congratulations for the success on this. Of course, your book, Life of Miracles. And we talked about this here a couple months ago, but now we have the audio book out. So, uh, Chaplain Rick, can you give people a little bit of a taste for what they're in store for here in Life of Miracles? Well, the thing is, this world is filled with a lot of good and evil, obviously. We all know that. You bear witness. We look around what's going on. Makes you wonder what's behind the scenes. Is it just coincidence that there's good and evil, or is there something behind it in a spiritual sense? And I, I began to realize as writing about my life, because throughout my life, I start realizing the good and evil. I start realizing, I start seeing it, the effects of it. And then before I know it, the good Lord actually started showing me the spirit world in a sense. And I said, wow, angels are real and so are demons. And this is not a joke. <laughs> and it's like, wow, Lord. You know, I mean, when I first started seeing some of these things first, I thought like, this is no movie. This is real. You wow. know, when I seen a real demon possessed people, I mean, it's like, it freaked me out. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't afraid, but it was like, wow, foaming at the mouth, the glossy eyes. I mean, everything you see in Hollywood, and it's like for real. And it's like, this is, it blows your mind when you first see it, trust me. <laughs> so my book was basically about how real God is, you know, it's the battle between good and evil, how Jesus takes care of them that walk by faith to show that angels are real, both good and fallen angels. The supernatural world is real and how to believe in Jesus and, you know, giving you divine protection from evil and danger. There is some scriptures that kind of help you understand what God did for me and what he'll do to anybody that believes. And I kind of wrote a book to encourage people to let them know that not only God loves you, that he died for you and he cares for you. And he wants to come in your life, but he wants to protect you. He wants to take care of you. I have learned from experience many times whenever I was in danger of being electrocuted or drowning when I was nine years old, I can go on and on. If you look throughout my story, they're going to see stories where I should have died from some bizarre encounters, but yet I'm walking away every time without a scratch. It was definitely divine intervention each time, you know? Yeah, Chaplain Rick, what were those scriptures that you were referring to? Yeah, the scripture is that, first of all, this one is about how angels, and I actually had encounters where I actually talked to three angels in this church once, and they would have to read the book, but pretty much I talked to these angels, they talked to me, I shook their hands, they were real, they said they had to leave, that God's time rose up, and, and I said, I'm thinking they were whacked or something, you know what I'm saying? And then they ended up leaving, and I ran outside, and they were gone. And I go, they didn't even drive off of the car, these three hippies just literally disappeared, there's no way. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm just seeing things. Well, later on, I talked to someone in the church, and they were saying, Petsky, who were you talking to in the church? And I says, uh, oh, these three men, you know, and they came, and they says, oh, we didn't see who you were talking to. But I'm sorry, I felt them, I touched them, they were real, I know I wasn't dreaming. And, you know, being in church, I don't do drugs, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but here it is, it says, stay on good terms with each other, held together by love, and this is in Hebrews 13, 2 and 4, be ready with a meal or a bed when needed. 
why some have extended hospitality to angels without even knowing it. So there has been desiring things in my book where I got medicine and angels or something because a lot of times I got help and these people were gone. And I don't know where they went to, but yet whatever they did for me, it worked. Then also God, you know, promised to do this to all the believers if they have faith. As it says here in Isaiah 41.10, descendants of my good friend Abraham, because anyone that believes in, you know, Jesus Christ is a friend of Abraham, according to Jesus' teachings. I pulled you from all over the world, called you in from every dark corner of the earth, telling you you're my servants. This is from the message, by the way. Serving on my side, I picked you up. I haven't dropped you. Don't panic. I am with you. There's no need to fear, for I am your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. Keep a firm grip on you. I mean, that's just some of the scriptures right there. Then there's literally where the angels are mentioned that he'll, he'll protect you. And Psalms, you who sit down in the high God's presence, spend the night in Shaddai, show them. Say this, God, you're my refuge. I trust in you and I am safe. That's right. He rescued you from hazardous hidden traps, shields you from deadly hazards. The huge outstretched arms protected me. Under them, you're perfectly safe. His arms fend off all harm. Well, I think a lot of readers, a lot of listeners are really going to find hope in this book. It's titled Life of Miracles, written by Chaplain Rick Petsky, published by the Audiobook Network. So get on Audible or get on the Apple iTunes Store or Amazon, and you can pick this audiobook up. And Chaplain Rick, thanks again for joining me. It was really nice talking with you again, and I hope we get to do it again soon. Oh, yeah, and I hope you uh, check it out because this book will really bless you and spread the word to other people. Lord bless you, and I appreciate your time, sir. Joining me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author D. Arlene Ermshar Soilo. Dolores, welcome. Thank you for joining me. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that you're here. You have a new book out in stores. It's so exciting. It's titled Bible Journey in Song, Rhyme, and Verse, with stops to explore 70 songs, 66 memory gems. Dolores, what are people in store for here? What I have in store is a rhyming content to every book of the Bible paired with students in public domain. And I wanted children to learn about the content of each book, whether they are homeschooled in a classroom or with family at home, and also to be able to recite a verse from each book. So this is a children's book then? Yes, it is. However, the lady who wrote my foreword thought it could be a fun book for adult Bible studies, too. Hmm. Dolores, how are you inspired to write this book? How'd you get the idea to sit down and start writing it? Well, my own Bible study made me wish to make the Bible more exciting to children because the treasures I found inspired me so much. And how long did this take you once you started out? Most of it was done during the pandemic. In the room and isolated and did most of the work there. Some of it had been done. I had planned this book for about 30 years, believe it or not. Wow. I believe singing in rhyme is the easiest way to make learning permanent, so that's why I chose to do the rhyming content for each book, pairing it with a tune in public domain. Of course, these tunes range from classics and hymns to folk tunes and songs that are familiar to children. Chord names are there to help people who want to accompany with piano or guitar, and if people can't sing, the rhymes may also be spoken and be just as valuable. Dolores, what's your writing background look like? Have you ever done anything like this before? Not like this, no, sir. What was it like when you open up the mailbox and there it is, your first copy, and you actually get to hold your book? What was that moment like? Oh, it was very lovely and rewarding. And do you think you would do it again? Do you see yourself writing, publishing more in the future? Not right now. 
this book really was an ambitious thing. I selected these tunes for their relevance to the lyrics, like Sound the Battle Cry was selected for the book of Ephesians, which tells people to put on the whole armor of God. Cases Go Rolling Along is paired with the book of Joshua when the conquest of Canaan began. Beethoven's Ode to Joy was chosen for the book of Matthew, beginning with the birth of Jesus. Dolores, so many people who are listening to us right now are authors who are just starting out. So based on everything that you went through, do you have any advice that you could put out there for them? Just stay with it. When you have something, an idea, reach for the stars and go through it and do it all the way. I really had a lot of exciting ideas. I thought some of the songs can be sung as round, like can be paired like with Scotland's Burning. is sung to Elisha's Contest. Elijah's contest and with Baal and Mount Carmel. And the book of Jonah is set to Alouette. Can I show you how the first verse goes? Sure. God asked Jonah, warning of a city, repent or be gone in 40 days. Then he sailed to go elsewhere, stormy winds to fill the air. To the crew gave a shout, to his peace taught me out. Guess what God did? He prepared some special transportation. In the fish learned from God not to run. I have one more that I think would really interest children because it's attuned to something that they know, B-I-N-G-O. Colossians is a book Paul wrote while he was still in prison. We do pray for you. We give thanks for you. For strong faith you show your love does ever grow. Oh, obey your parents. Yes, you must. Here's more things that will please God. Watch and pray each day. Walk in wisdom's way. Guard your speech always by watching what you say. Hey, I hope everybody else loves it, too, and that it helps children learn more about the Bible. That was my biggest goal. And now that you have your book out there, Dolores, and you did it, what's the most rewarding aspect of it all for you now of being a published author? People who have already bought it telling me how much they enjoy it and are liking it. Well, I think a lot of people are really going to love this book. Again, it's titled Bible Journey in Song, Rhyme, and Verse, with stops to explore 70 songs, 66 memory gems. It's written by D. Arlene Ermshar Soilo, and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can grab this book up everywhere, so go on to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to find this book. Dolores, thank you so much for coming on the show and telling us all about this wonderful book. I had a nice time talking with you. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time. Right here now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm joined by author Paul V. Zylstra. Paul, welcome. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. You have a new audio book just came out titled Work for Yourself. 20 questions you must answer to start your own business. Paul, what can readers expect in this audiobook? They cannot expect me to tell them what to do to make money. The book assumes that you already have something to sell, a service or a product or something. What it does do is tell you what it takes to start a business. It takes you through 20 questions that every businessman has to ask. And it also gives you hints as to where to find the answers to those questions. Hmm. What prompted you to write this book, Paul? What was your inspiration? Well, I started my own business in 1991. And within five or six years, I had several people asking me, Paul, how did you do it? How did you start your own business? Well, my business was mainly a contract service. 
And there are a lot of people in contracting service that either work for somebody or through a contract house or something, but they would all like to start their own business. So rather than keep answering the question, I wrote a seven or eight page summary of things they needed to know. And over the years, it expanded. And finally, I decided to just put it in a very short book. It is a short book and it's short intentionally. And what I found is that people who read the book fall into three categories. About a quarter of them say, yep, that's for me. I want to start my own business. Another quarter say, you know, that looks like an awful lot of work to me, and I don't think I want to do that. And the rest of them fall somewhere in the middle and think, well, maybe at a future time, I'll reconsider this. Hmm. But it weeds out those people who really shouldn't be starting a business, and it encourages people who really do need to start their own business. Hmm. Paul, when it comes to writing and publishing and all that, are you new to this or have you done it before? I have been doing technical writing for the last probably 45 years, and usually manuals, machine guides, operations manuals for processes or machines, studies, electrical, environmental, whatever. So I've had a lot of experience writing, but not so much for myself. I have published a few articles in the past in something other than technical journals, but for the most part, it's all been technical writing. And I decided when I was about to retire that I would start doing works for myself. And right now I have five titles out there. Paul, was that a big jump for you, going from that technical style writing into the writing you're doing now? Does it take you a long time to write these? No, actually, I was doing one a year, about five years. Oh, wow. And this is the shortest one. It's less than 50 pages. Most of them are on the 200-page scale. So... It's not been a big jump, and it's it's not been all that hard to do. Not for me, but I suppose for somebody who isn't accustomed to writing. The biggest thing was learning to know what to do with the terms. In most technical writing, you degender everything. And for a lot of common books, you don't do that. Right. So that was a major step. And I also have a very good review process. I don't put anything out that hasn't been reviewed by every age, by every comment group that I can find. I want to know everybody's opinion. Mm-hmm. And I take it all into account in the writing of the books. Now, Paul, in the audiobook format, what was that like hearing your book as opposed to reading it off the page? There are some things that I had to get used to, some things that I brought forward into audiobooks that I'm having done now. One of them is that when you go from somebody giving you a quote on the page back into the author's text, there isn't a clean break point. Mm, so yeah. I'm having to come up with some ways of saying, all right, we need a short little credit right at the end of the quote so that we know that it's done, you know. So there are some things that I did need to get used to. Well, if you're an aspiring entrepreneur, then this audiobook is going to be for you. It's titled, Work for Yourself, 20 Questions You Must Answer to Start Your Own Business. This is written by Paul V. Zylstra, and it's published by the Audiobook Network. So you can find it anywhere like Audible or the Apple iTunes Store or Amazon, everywhere you get your audiobooks. Paul, thanks again for joining me and telling me all about your work. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. What's more adorable than a corgi? Well, this book, you just might find that out. It's titled The Corgi Miracle, A True Story. 
This is written by Tara S. Reidenbaugh, and we're going to talk all about the book. Tara's right here with me now. Tara, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate your time, Tara. Can you tell me what readers are in store for when they open up The Corgi Miracle? Well, The Corgi Miracle is based on a true story that happened a while ago, and it had such an impact on every member of our family, as well as friends and neighbors and anybody who saw flyers that showed when he was missing. Mm -hmm. And when he came back, everybody celebrated it. So what was that inspiration that made you say, hey, this is a great story. I got to write this. I got to get this published. Well, when he first came back, I had friends who said, you need to write a book. And immediately I was just like, no, I can't do that. And somebody told me, just make some notes and tuck those notes away because one day you're going to make it happen. And so I did that. And I do believe that God kept nudging me along the way over It was probably a period of eight years before I finally wrote the book. Once you sat down and started writing, Tara, how long of a process was this all for you? It was not long at all. It just flew by. It was as though God had it all coordinated. I just pulled that piece of paper out that had my notes on it and started writing. I had it written probably within five months Mm. and just kept pouring over it and was afraid to do anything with it, honestly. So that was what took the longest part. And the illustrations are just beautiful. Tara, can you tell me about that process? Thank you. Yes. Thomas E. McCrady is a friend of my uncle's and he's an artist who I was introduced to, and I knew in the back of my mind that if I ever did do a book, I wanted to do it with pen and ink and watercolors. Mm. And that's his forte. So I just let him go. And he sketched and he painted and he asked for photographs of some things. And I was not demanding at all. He had free reign with his creativity. And it just tied everything together perfectly. And Tara, I could only imagine the day that you got your first copy in and you got to see the physical product that you've been working on so long. What was that like? It was hard to believe. It was really hard to believe. We celebrated and it's still hard to imagine that other people are going to appreciate this as much as we do. And to look at the reviews, which is obviously important to help push the book out there, to see the people appreciate it for what Thomas and I had envisioned it for. And every word in this book is true. There is not one bit that is made up. And probably the most inspirational thing when I was coming down the line of, like I said, you know, I just got a whisper every now and then from the Holy Spirit. And the last time he did, I said in my head to him, I was like, okay, as soon as I find my copy of The Velveteen Rabbit, I'll start. And it could be in the attic. It could be in any bookshelf. I have no idea where it is, but I'll look for it. So one day, my kids and I were on the road, and I never stop at garage sales. But I felt drawn to stop at one, and I passed it up. And then an hour later, we passed it again, and it was still open, and I was drawn to it. And so I said, do you guys mind if I run in there? No, no problem. Got out. So I walked through the garage, and in the back corner, there were stacks of books on a table. And the very top book was The Velveteen Rabbit. 
So, of course, I bought that, and I just told God, all right, I'm going to do it, because if I didn't, it would be really rude to keep ignoring you. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are really going to be touched by this story. It's titled, The Corgi Miracle, A True Story. This is written by Tara S. Reidenbaugh, published by Christian Faith Publishing. It's available anywhere, so Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores will all have this book. Tara, I really enjoyed talking with you tonight here all about your work. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. The second book in the Stepping series by Minister Kent Earls just came out, and it's titled Discovering God's Secrets, The Revelation for All of Humanity, Part 1. Minister Kent is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we get to chat all about the book. Minister Kent, thank you for joining me here. Oh, thanks so much for the opportunity, Corey. What can readers expect when they open up Discovering God's Secrets? What you'll find is every human alive on the earth is in the book. God planned every human being that is birthed into the earth. He planned them in the Bible. There's a scripture pertaining to your specific life. Hmm. Unfortunately, that's not widely known, but that's the essence of the book. Everybody alive is in the book, and you're not supposed to be here trying to figure your life out on your own because God has the plan. That's what it is about. Minister, who are you speaking to here? Was there a specific audience you had in mind? Well, the entire human populace, everybody alive on the earth is in the book, and that's how special each one of us are. God has a plan for us, even regardless of who, uh, whatever walk of life you're in, that's, that's what you're here to do, the will of God. And how are you inspired, Minister Kent, to start this series, to begin writing all these books? Well, if you know what praying in the Spirit is, I've had a relationship with God. I've, I was initially saved in 1978 and 15 years old, but I've developed over the years uh, praying in the Spirit. And out of that prayer was when God begins to speak, and He began to reveal certain things to me. Initially, He told me about the book in 04, 2004, hmm. but at that time, I didn't have the understanding to actually grasp it. I didn't think I could write a book. And then, Minister, that day comes, and you finally get your first physical copy in, and you're holding your book for the first time after all that hard work. What's that moment like? <laughs> yeah. For me, it was like, man, I finally got this thing done because, you know, after being told for the whole four and I was like, oh, my goodness, I finally got it done. So uh, <laughs> it was like a, a, a five relief because God had been talking to me about it for, like I say, all the way back in 04. And, of course, this is Discovering God's Secrets, the Revelation for All of Humanity, Part 1. I assume Part 2 is in the works. Do you have more planned after that? I do. I, I'm working on the cost of disobedience what it costs me. Every time when God gives an instruction, if we fail to obey it, it costs you something and it it delays or it'll hinder your forward movement. And Mm. so that's the part two of it coming. Mm. And doing this kind of thing, as you know, can be quite the learning experience, Minister Kent. So do you have any advice now that you could throw out there for authors who are just starting out? I would say to any author is, the first thing is, what are you passionate about? in this particular life. Is there anything that you're passionate about? And then once they told me what they were passionate about, then I asked them, tell me three or four things about your passion that you could convey and tell me about. And once they told me those three or four things, I said, you now have your own book. That is a book that you could write and with the first four chapters of it. The passion with whatever those three or four things that you just told me 
in essence, is your book. That would be my encouragement to anybody to do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah, that's great <laughs> encouragement. <laughs> yeah. Now, while you're writing all these books, Minister Kent, did you ever hit a place where the writing got kind of tough? You might have got writer's block or just the words weren't coming out. And then how do you get past hurdles like that? Yeah. You know what? Fortunately, again, it was birthed out of prayer. So often I have a routine in the morning when I get up and I try to go and pray and talk to God first to find out what he had me do. What are my instructions for the day? And when I hear the Holy Spirit say, let's write today. So for me, it was more like dictation. I was writing out of my spirit and God gave it to me. I just wrote it and put it on the paper. So the writer's block thing really, for me, really never became an issue. The issue more or less when I first started in 2010 was more or less just the belief aspect. What am I doing? Who do you think you are? Except getting over that hurdle. <laughs> but I overcame it and I made it. When I, so. well, I'm glad that you did. Yeah. Well, I know that readers are definitely going to further their understanding of the Bible when they pick up this book. It's titled, Discovering God's Secrets, The Revelation for All of Humanity, Part 1. It's written by Minister Kent Earls, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. And you can find it everywhere, so Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores. You can find this book all those places. Minister Kent, thank you again for joining me and telling me about your work. I hope we get to do this again. Corey, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Is God listening even during our toughest times? Well, this book we're talking about now offers some words of encouragement. It's titled, John 17 and the Power of Prayer, a study of the prayer of Jesus in the fourth gospel. This is written by Judith A. Deal, and Judy is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we're going to talk all about this book. Judy, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. Can you tell me what readers will find here, Judy, when they open up John 17 and the power of prayer? This book is basically about prayer, not necessarily how to pray, but who to pray to. Hmm. A prayer should be a joyous connection. A loving, living God is talking to us and with us through the Holy Spirit. Prayer seems really complicated, but actually we are worshiping with a whole team, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's kind of what this book is about. Hmm. Judy, what gave you the idea? What inspired you to write this? Well, years ago, I, I went to Scotland to get a Ph.D. in the New Testament. And I wrote my doctoral dissertation, they call it a doctoral thesis in Scotland, but I wrote my thesis on John 17. And there were some epithets, what we call titles, within that prayer that really puzzled me, that Jesus refers to his Father as the Holy Father and the Righteous Father. And I kind of skipped over all this when I was doing my dissertation, but it always kind of bothered me. It kind of sat on the back burner of my research and my theories. And I really wanted to figure out why John used those titles for God. And so that spurred a lot of research and, and information about the Father God, about the Son, about the Holy Spirit, who's referred to in John's Gospel as the Paraclete. And he refers to him nowhere else like that. And Judy, once you started writing this, how long of a process was this until it got out there for people? Well, it was certainly a long time thinking about it and, <laughs> and researching it, but I probably started writing it a couple of years before it really went to the publisher. 
And when it finally came in after it was all done and the physical copy was ready, you're finally holding this in your hands and you look at it, your name's on the cover and everything. What was that moment like? Well, it's, it is exhilarating. It's a feeling of relief. <laughs> hey, it's done. It's a feeling of gratitude, you know, that I know that I didn't work on this all by myself, that there was some divine help all the way along. And so I was very grateful. I was very relieved and very exhilarated, you know, just excited about seeing it. Hmm. You talked about having some divine help there along the way, Judy. Were there other people in your life who knew you were doing this and they could be there to help you out or at least encourage and motivate you? Well, yes, yeah, certainly my husband, probably most of all, because we lived together <laughs> <laughs> and he was with me all the time experiencing my ups and my downs. And he was always there to encourage me and to help me see that there was an end. There was light at the end of the tunnel. Judy, do you think you would do it again? Do you see yourself writing and publishing more? I do. You know, in a lot of ways, it's not right around the corner for me, but one of the things that I fully believe is that God calls us to do things. And I believe that I was called to do this book because it would not let me go. So if God calls me to do something else, then I will do it. What would you say was the most challenging part about the whole process for you? I would think probably the actual physical editing, rereading, rewriting, changing grammar. I'm an English major in my undergrad. And so there's a real part of me that wants to make sure that the words say what I want them to say. So it's just a pick and shovel kind of editing process to make sure that that comma is in the right place, to make sure that that scripture is correct. You know, that the whole physical part of writing is a challenge. Well, I think so many people will be blessed by the pages of this book and ought to check it out. It's titled John 17 and the Power of Prayer. A Study of the Prayer of Jesus in the Fourth Gospel. This is written by Judith A. Deal. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get it everywhere. So get on Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, get on iTunes, or take a walk down the street to your local bookshop, and you'll be able to find this book. Judy, it's been wonderful talking with you here tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you, Corey. I really appreciate the interview. I'm holding a book now that's a continuation of the Morning After series by Jason B. Cruz. This one's titled The Enemy Within. We're going to talk all about this book. The author, Jason, is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Jason, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. How are you doing today? I'm doing great now that we're talking about this book. Jason, can you tell us about the series and about what's in this book, The Morning After, The Enemy Within? Yeah, basically, it's about aliens, uh, interstellar alliance of alien worlds, and that the human race, Earth, was a part of this alliance a long time ago. A virus broke out, and they created a zombie outbreak at herd, destroyed almost the entire Earth. They evacuated it. Fast forward it to today, they uh, ended up having it came to Earth, set up a base, and then the main character found a bunch of uh, survivors, brought them back. And that's basically the summarization for the, the first book. The second book kind of takes up where it left off, where they go into death and how the, the virus came to be. It was found out that the humans from 250,000 years ago accidentally created the virus, got released. And now rogue members of the Alliance want to take that virus and weaponize it. Mm -hmm. 
they purposely infected the human population to try to hide their track, you know, to hide what they were doing. And the main character discovers this, goes, finds the bad guy. There's a big war that ensues. And in the end, we'll find out what goes on. But that's basically it in the short term. <laughs> wow. I, I love everything that you have at play here. So we have aliens, we have zombies, we got viruses, and the aliens are billions of years old. So, Jason, you got to tell me, how'd you come up with this idea? Well, I like zombie movies. I've been in sci-fi horror for a long time. Growing up, I used to watch every single horror movie, sci-fi movie, mm. went out, collect comic books, read all everything on that. I travel a lot. I've been to many different places. I've met a lot of different people. And it just kind of all kind of came together. And it's like, yeah, let's see what we can do. Oh, I love it. Is this your first book? I know this is actually the second in the series, but is this your first time writing? Well, no, I actually have been writing for, well, I have written, but never was published until these two books. Mm. I've written short, tried to write short stories. I'm not really good at writing short stories. Every time I try to write a short story, it ends up turning to be about 100,000 to 200,000 words. <laughs> <laughs> so I still have not written a successful short story because it always seems to come out to be a book. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I usually have to cut these things down about 250,000 words from when I'm done. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just keep writing. Mm. And I understand The Enemy Within isn't the end of this series. There are more to come. Yes, yes. I have a, a third one I'm in the process of writing. Plus, I also have a couple of other properties that I'm working on, too. Different genres and stuff like that. Mostly science fiction, horror, but, you know, different kind of stuff. How long does a book like The Enemy Within take you to write, Jason? The first one took me, I'm going to say, maybe two years. I wasn't working on it all the time. I, mm -hmm. I actually really, I actually still have a normal nine to five job. So I kind of did it when I had time and all that stuff. The, the second one actually took me a year, not even that. If COVID didn't come around and all that stuff, I would have probably had it done in about six or seven months. The second one was actually very much easier to write than the first one, since I kind of already had the base idea of what was going to happen from the first one, because it's, it's literally a continuation. It's a year after the first book, but you know, going into the character development, which I already kind of had, I just fleshed out the characters a lot more, bringing some growth and some change to each of the characters, mm -hmm. and kind of, I focused on certain characters more than in the first book because it was like a whole group of people trying to survive, trying to get back to the outpost. Well, this one, they're already there. Now they're just trying to go out and save as many human lives as possible. Well, I think readers are really going to love this book and this whole series. This, of course, is part of the Morning After series. It's titled The Enemy Within. It's written by Jason B. Cruz. It's published by Newman Springs Publishing. It's available everywhere, so go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or walk down the street to your local bookshop and you'll find this book. Jason, again, thank you for coming on the show and tell me all about your really creative work here. I really enjoyed our time. Yeah, me too. Thank you. The Adventures of King Ragamite and His Rago Knights. It's the name of the new book. It just came out, written by K.D. Holmes. And right here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, we get to talk all about this book. KD is here with me now. KD, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be talking about the adventures of King Ragamite and his Ragonites. Can you tell me what the book's about, KD? 
basically what it's about is it's about a bunch of turtles and what they go through and their adventures and everything. And the princess, you know, she gets kidnapped and what they go through to like to try to get her back and everything. And then they come up with different, you know, aspects while they're along the way in new things of, oh, I discovered this and I discovered this and they meet new people and it's all, you got new angles and everything about it. So it's not just one set thing. Every turn is something different. Oh, wow. KD, what readers do you think would enjoy this the most? Well, I wrote this for, you know, children aged like four or five on up to, I want to say teenage, like early teenage years. I know that I've got young kids in my family and that are around those ages and every one of them have absolutely loved it from the young ones down to the teenagers. And so I think that that would be a really good market area. Hmm. How did the idea for this story come about, KD? What was your inspiration? Well, my daughter at the time, she was very young and she used to read books all the time and she always wanted to know what was next, what was next. (laughs) And I couldn't buy any more books for her because she read them all. (laughs) And so she looked at me one day and she said, hey, mommy, what happens next? And I was like, you know what? So I started writing. So I wrote this for her. Hmm. Now, Before this, have you ever written or published? No, I've written a whole lot of things, but this is the first one that I've ever gotten published. Congratulations. It's such a big deal. It's uh, you should really be proud of that. Thank you so much. I absolutely am. Did this take you a long time to write and then put through that publishing process? It took me about six months to write it and about a year from start to finish on publication. So it took you about a year and a half of hard work to get this book out there. So finally that day came and the book comes in the mail and you get to hold it. You get to see this thing that you were working on for so long. KD, what was that like for you? It was absolutely surreal. I mean, you know, I've been waiting and waiting for that day. And then, you know, my daughter got it in the mail and she said, Mom, I know what this is. And I opened it and honestly, I cried because there it was. What are the chances that there'll be more adventures? We'll be seeing more writing from you. There's a very, very large chance because (laughs) I absolutely love doing this. And, you know, I can't wait to, you know, get more out there and, you know, let people read more about the adventures and everything. I'm sure it was quite the learning experience for you. Did you have anything that you learned or picked up along the way that you could offer as advice to other first-time authors? I guess the biggest thing that I would say is do research on your target audience. That's, you know, it's a lot of what I did. You know, I took a lot of my ideas I had and I bounced them off the young kids I knew and stuff that they they liked. I went with that. Other things, not so much. So, you know, look at what the audience you're trying to reach is into and go from that. Hmm. And now that you've got that book out there, KD, for you, what's the most rewarding aspect of being a published author? Well, I just think that it's such a rewarding experience. I would definitely recommend this to anybody. And for your next book, is there anything that you would do differently than you did the first time around you think could have gone a little smoother? Yeah, actually, I've already done all of my research and stuff as far as this audience. So I know what I'm trying to target on this. So as far as writing this one, I don't have to look as far, you know, so hard at, okay, this age group, they go for this, they go for that. They don't like this. So I can just use that age group and just write from what I've learned before. I think children are really going to love this book. Go check it out. It's titled 
The Adventures of King Ragamite and His Ragonites. This is written by K.D. Holmes, and it's published by Covenant Books, and you can get it anywhere, so head over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or down the street at your local bookshop and you'll find this book. K.D., thank you so much for joining me, telling me all about your work. I had a nice time chatting tonight. Thank you. You too. Gone to Kansas, 1856, Fire and Tribulation, the sequel to Gone to Kansas, 1855, a historical novel. This is a gripping novel by Kendall D. Gott. Now, we talked about this fascinating story not long ago here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and now the audiobook is available. Kendall is here now, and we're going to talk all about it. Kendall, welcome back to the show. It's great to be talking with you again. Well, thank you for having me, Corey. Kendall, can you catch us all up on the series Gone to Kansas 1855, now Gone to Kansas 1856? I'll try to do it briefly. Once you get me rolling, it's hard to shut me up. <laughs> it's a young man that grew up in a broken household in St. Louis, partly on the streets, partly at home. He comes to Kansas to escape all that, and it's in the era of bleeding Kansas where you had the pro-slavery and the free state people battling it out for political dominance. And he's caught in the middle, and he goes through a series of adventures. The sequel picks up where it left off and carries him through a number of things. And the history is real, and he gets caught up in it. And you can see the historical picture, the historical story through the eyes of this young man. Mm. Now, once you got done with the audio book and you listened to your book, what was that like, opposed to having read it off the page that whole time? Uh, well... It's mixed feelings. You know, one, it's just, it's fun. You, you get to hear your work and someone else reading it and enjoying it. On the other hand, I think every author feels this way, is that why did I write it that way? Is there, you know, I wish I could go back and change a few things. But if you live by that rule, you'll never get anything published. There, there just comes a time that you've read it, you've reread it, you've made all the changes. There'll always be changes. So there just comes a time where you just kind of have to cut bait and let it go. And a lot of work goes into producing the audio book. What made you decide that that needed to be done? Some of my colleagues are, are authors as well, and they did their audio books first, and they, they kind of convinced me that was the way to go. seems that it's growing, that people are choosing audiobook over sitting down and reading it. So when they're in the commute or, you know, they just don't have the time to read a book or they don't like it, they listen to it. And, oh, that's okay. So I was really kind of hoping to get more audience with the audiobook than would be with just a printed word. And so much of that is finding the right voice for your story. Was that a smooth process? Yeah, it was. It really happened in detail in the first book. I was sent three files, and they had two men and a woman. I was interested in seeing if a, a woman would work for me, but her voice ended up sounding like my ex-wife, and I just couldn't abide by that. <laughs> the other two, the gentleman, Michael Reeves, that I chose, he just had the voice I was looking for, and then when he switched from narrator to character, and he did all the characters too, he did very well. He was able to instantly switch one character to another back to the narrator. So I made an excellent choice with him, and uh, I was really glad that he was offered up as a possibility for selection. So when it came to the second book, when it came to the second book, it was real easy. I just want him, you know, get Michael back. Right. So, Kendall, what advice could you give to other authors who are considering going that audiobook route? Well, take a deep breath and do it. It was enjoyable. I think the rewards are there. I'm, I don't even track book sales. That's not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this for fun. But it certainly broadens your audience, I think, if you do the audiobook as well. With my experience with this company, I highly recommend it. It was fun. It was easy. 
I don't like to mess around too much in the business world. I'd like to be able to sit and concentrate on writing. And I was able to do that. Everything was kind of taken care of. Kendall, I love that you're doing this just because you love to do it. So are you working on anything now? Can we expect anything more from you here anytime soon? Well, I have Apollo notes and a noggin full of ideas for the third chapter or the third book of this the story gone to Kansas. Right now, that's where I'm kind of leaning towards. I'm just going to continue the story, not even finish it. But I have a couple ideas too. So I'm just kind of sitting on that fence and I just need a slight breeze to push me off one way or the other. I think a lot of readers and a lot of listeners are going to love this book. It's titled Gone to Kansas 1856, Fire and Tribulation, the sequel to Gone to Kansas 1855, a historical novel. It's written by Kendall D. Gott, it's published by the Audiobook Network, so head on over to Audible or the Apple iTunes Store or Amazon. You can pick it up. Kendall, it's been great having you on the show and talking all about this book. Thanks again for being here. Well, again, thank you so much for having me. Making Rounds with Jesus. A physician looks at the ministry and mission of Jesus. That's the new book, It Just Hit Stores, written by Kenneth C. Parsons, M.D., and Ken is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we're going to talk all about this book. Ken, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Corey. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, the pleasure's all mine. I'm excited to find out what you've written about in Making Rounds with Jesus. Can you tell me about this, Ken? Sure. I became fascinated with the whole phenomenon of Jesus and his ministry pretty early on in my Christian history, but it wasn't until about, oh, I'd say 12 or 13 years ago that I really started to focus on the way Jesus taught and the way he developed his disciples. Hmm. And so I started reading the Gospels with a greater sense of awareness of what was going on in any particular episode or the scene, if you will. A good way to think about it is the scenes that you see in the Gospels. And what I saw was familiar to me because I had encountered this teaching method when I was in medical school. Huh. We called it see one, do one, teach one. And Jesus was teaching the disciples how to minister to people, how to teach people, how to interact with people. And the process of doing that seemed very familiar to me. So that's what I started focusing on. Ken, did you have a certain readership in mind when you were writing this? Were you speaking to certain people? Well, I think it's relevant to anybody who enjoys reading Scripture, mm. but it's particularly relevant to people in healthcare because we've had this training experience of making rounds with more skilled physicians, or it would also apply to nurses or dentists or other healthcare professionals. We, this is how we learn. We learn by watching and paying attention. Ken, when it comes to your writing background, what does that look like? Have you done anything like this before? I have not written anything along this line. I have written for medical literature in a few settings in the past. It's very different, as you might imagine, from this sort of writing. Did Making Rounds with Jesus take you a long time then to write and get published? Well, it shouldn't have. What I had to come to grips with was that I had two character flaws. Incidentally, character flaws, that's the way we say sin, when we don't mean to say sin. <laughs> I had two character flaws. One was I procrastinated, 
And the other was that I was a perfectionist. Mm. And so my writing took a lot longer than it should have. And it's embarrassing now to look back on the fact that it took me 12 years to write this book. Ken, a lot of people listening to us right now are authors just starting out in this all. Is there anything that you've picked up along the way that you could pass on as some advice? Well, (laughs) avoiding procrastination and perfectionism (laughs) would be at the top of my list. The whole process of writing is repetitive. And as a consequence, you don't have to worry about perfectionism because you've got plenty of opportunities to go back and make corrections and try to perfect the product. But the biggest thing I would say is to devote some time each day to the process so that you're actually collecting ideas. And ideas might come as sentences or they might come as just fleeting ideas. But if you take the time to write them down, you can go back and track down those ideas. And it makes a big, big difference when you're ready to start seriously writing. Second thing that I would recommend is to minimize distractions give you a little bit of background. I work from home. I'm still involved in consulting work in medicine. Mm. And so I work from home. And when I'm at home, I'm on my email, my work email and all that sort of thing. And then I was trying to write at the same time. I found out that I was much more productive if I would take the time to drive up into the mountains. I live in Colorado, drive up into the mountains and stay for a week at a condo or something of that sort so that I minimize the distractions and maximize the effectiveness of my writing. Well, I love the message of this book. Never give up. Be an overcomer because life is going to throw a lot at you. It's titled Making Rounds with Jesus. A Physician Looks at the Ministry and Mission of Jesus. It's written by Kenneth C. Parsons, M.D., and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get it everywhere. So go on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or take a walk down the street to your local bookshop and you'll find this book. Ken, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks so much again for joining me. Thank you, Corey. It's been a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 